God, receive all glory, honor, praise, power, might, and dominion. Hallelujah. First Chronicles 22. We'll begin reading with verse 6 in just a moment while you're finding that passage. Wednesday evenings, we've been coming together just to bask in the presence of the Lord. No agenda other than, God, we want you to show up. And there has been a marked visitation, and I invite you to join us Wednesday night, 7.30. The corporate times of prayer are so vital, and stay connected. Oh, you're finding 1 Chronicles 22 at sundown tonight begins the Jewish New Year. It's Rosh Hashanah. It's 5779. So to open the service tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to have the blowing of the shofar. Amen. And celebrate the New Year. Around the world, the New Year is being celebrated and honored. And what it means is very significant as we move into uh, the Jewish New Year. And certainly we're Gentiles, but we keep an eye on God's calendar. Amen. Amen. First Chronicles 22, verse 6 says, Then he called for Solomon. This is David. He calls for Solomon, his son, and charged him, Build a house for the Lord God of Israel. Wow. Pretty strong orders and a pretty steep command. David said to Solomon, My son, ask for me. It was in my heart, in my mind to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly. Thou hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, I will give him rest from all of his enemies round about. And God even tells David what to name his son. His name shall be called Solomon. I will give him peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He will be the one to build the house for my name. There are some people that God didn't allow to build a house. And other people he called to build a house. We know that the temple was very important in all of Israel and to all of Judaism and certainly to the Gentile world. You may be seated. It is David's prayer. Let me build the house. But God says, not so, David. You've been a man of war. I'm going to let your son build the house. David's longing, you've got to understand the context of this entire story of King David. King David was one of the greatest leaders in all of Israel's history. In the entire history of Israel, David stands out as one of the great leaders. He led the kingdom. He was king for 40 years. Think with me. He is recognized throughout Scripture. He is recognized even in prophecy. He is recognized throughout Israel. You can't go to Israel without hearing about King David. He plays such a prominent role in all of Israel and Israel's history. And so David desires, God, let me build this house. David is the one that takes the ark and moves the ark to Jerusalem. On the way to Jerusalem, what happens? 
David, he, he orchestrates for the men to move the ark by ox cart. That was not the prescribed fashion. For the priests were to bear the ark on their shoulders. And because they bore it on an ox cart, when the oxen stumbled and the ark shook, Uzzah stretched forth his hand to touch the ark. And when he did, God smote Uzzah dead. Now the ark had been in Abinadab's home for 21 years. So the ark had been in a home for a long time. And David finally realizes, hey, God's blessings are tied to his presence. And so he wants to take up the ark and move the ark to Jerusalem. Well, then Uzzah smote dead. And so he allows Obed-Edom to put the ark in his home. Now the scripture's real interesting here because it says that while it's in Obed-Edom's home, for three months, the blessings of God touched everything about Obed-Edom. His home, his family, his livestock were blessed. The spiritual parallel right there is we need to get God's presence in our homes. Where God's Shekinah, where God's presence is, I want to tell you the blessings of the Lord abide. And David looks over at Obed-Edom and sees the significant blessings of God going on. And he says, I got to bring the ark to Jerusalem. And he goes to get the ark and starts moving the ark. He gets the ark into Jerusalem. And I, I want to hasten through this passage. But he says, the ark has no place to rest. The presence of God has no, no house to be put in. And so he builds a tabernacle. It was a tent of dwelling. And so the ark rests in Israel, in Jerusalem, for years in a tent. And then David realizes there needs to be a permanent place of worship. Uh, there needs to be a temple built. And God begins to put all of this in his heart, and David wants to build that temple. All of that background, David longs to build the temple of the Lord, but God says, not so, David. God in his sovereign ability can tell some people you can't build my temple. But he allows David, watch this, to get everything ready for the build. He allows David to get the artisans. In verse 2 and 3, he gets the stonemasons ready and they start cutting the stones. He, he gets the other artisans that work with iron. It's in the passage there. It's in the text. He gets the iron workers and they start working. The woodworkers, they start preparing he gets the brass uh, workers, those that do the brass work, and they start, and all of this, David, David is headed towards the end of his life, and David is passionate about building the temple of the Lord. God has put in my heart to show us the parallels of how important the temple was and the building of the temple as our church family goes through some phases of building a place of worship, a place where our families are blessed, a place where many other can come and receive ministry. And David has this longing in his heart to build the house, so, but God has told him he can't, so he's getting everything ready. He gets all of the workmanship, the workers in place. The contractors are already named. They're in place. The materials are in place. The finances are in place. And David is getting to the last years of his life. Reading the last years of David's life is a wonderful study all its own. 
Because David lends his last years uh, to something that was very special to the heart of God. And that temple being built was very part of God's heart. And so Solomon is being readied. Now, if you read some of the commentaries, they say that David even began to teach this as Solomon is growing up. This is not something he just spoke to Solomon in the last years, but it's the scripture actually, some of the verses said, while Solomon was still young and tender. David is already planting this in his spirit. So probably for quite some time, David has realized, God's not gonna allow me to build the temple. But God, in your grace and mercy, let me help get things in place. In your grace and mercy, help, uh, allow me to help provide so that things are in order. That when Solomon begins to rule and Solomon steps to the throne, that everything is in place for the build to take place. We've been called to arise and build. Our church family has been in the Arise vision for several years. And it was Arise according to Isaiah 60. The scripture says, Arise, shine, for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. We've been in Arise and then the second phase was Arise, shine, and now the third and final phase is Arise to build. And so we're shortening that to, to build, uh, but it's still a part of the Rise concept. I think it quite interesting that this very month is a very prophetic month. That three of the seven feasts of the Lord happen in the month of September. And in this very month that is prophetic, Rosh Hashanah Feast of Trumpets begins tonight. Wouldn't it be wonderful if a trumpet blew tonight? How many is waiting for the trumpet to blow? Hallelujah. You have... Yom Kippur is the next feast of the Lord next week and Feast of Tabernacles when our ladies are, are in their conference. Very prophetic month, but watch this. It's in the news this weekend and we all know that there's got to be another temple built on that temple mount. Now David, the, they do not own Onan's threshing floor. So in those latter years, David goes up and he purchases that entire temple mount. I said last week to the early service that that was the only time in history where it's ever been recorded, the threshing floor, that temple mount was paid for was when David paid for it. So legal right belongs to the seed of David. It's the only time in history where it's ever recorded that it's actually been paid for. And David said, I will not pay half price. I want to pay full price because I will not offer to the Lord something for which I have not paid. And he buys the threshing floor and eventually the temple is built there. We all know that during the tribulation, there's got to be a temple uh, there on that temple mount. And so we're waiting for the build of the third temple. Somebody say Amen. And Yehuda Glick, who was here in May, is an elected official that is passionate about the rebuilding of the temple. This week, he goes up, and it made international news on the Temple Mount. And he has a passion to see that temple rebuilt. Well, in the news Friday and Saturday this weekend, it, it has been declared that now the first red heifer in 2,000 years has been born in Israel. In 2,000 years, 
There was one a few years ago, but they found a blemish on it. But the rabbinical council has inspected this heifer and declared it to be a perfect, perfect red heifer for what is prophesied in the last days. The writings and the articles that have been coming out in the last few hours is this is part of the signal of the last days for the next temple to be rebuilt. I, I just wonder if God doesn't have a build program going on right now. We may have a build program in Jacksonville, Florida, but I'm telling you, Creator God, our Heavenly Father, has got a building that He is going to see established. Amen. Well, God has led Evangel Temple into the build campaign and initiative. And we have our logo and we have our theme and it is to, to reach, it is to connect, it is to disciple people through build. We've established a website that starting this week you can go, you can click on our main church website and you can click the button. It'll give you daily updates and you'll be able to see all that is taking place through build. But I want to give you an update because we've done this through this entire Arise vision of the church. I want to give you an update of what came in this week. And so look here at the screen. $18,700 came in this week. What a miracle that the church family believes. Listen, God blessed David to bless Solomon. And there's something about the blessings of heaven that are attached to the building of storehouses to hold the harvest. I shared briefly last Sunday, and I wanna expand this Sunday that all my 63 years of life, I have been attached to the building of church buildings. As an infant, my dad and mom led us, led the family and the, the small church in Demopolis, Alabama to building a, a building. As a young child, being in the first, second, and third grade in Memphis, Tennessee, my dad, mom led the church uh, there to building a beautiful new sanctuary to honor the worship of God. And when we moved here in the fall of 64, since November 64, there have been 25 different build projects that Evangel Temple has done, building storehouses, building edifices for the work of God. Can somebody say amen? But friends, and I shared just briefly last week that we have built more than 100 church buildings all over the world. But what I did not share is personally, and I've been on so many of those projects, building in the jungles uh, to the major metropolises of our world. But here in the Jacksonville area, this church and I have personally worked on, I want you to understand that I have grown up around an environment, uh, around parents that believe uh, building the house of the Lord and a, a, a worship center was so vital and so important. And I can tell you there are blessings to building God's house. But I have personally worked on buildings in McClenny, on the west other, on Chapey, uh, in Clay County, Nassau County, on the north side, Callahan, St. Mary's, Ocala, St. Pete, Miami, South Carolina, Mississippi, Port Charlotte, Louisiana. I could keep on going. How many church buildings I have hammered nails and I've given uh, effort and energy to building the house of the Lord because I believe God honors that. And somewhere in David's heart, he had this desire to build God's house. And God blessed David. 
right up to the last breath when he crawls up in bed to draw his last breath. David was a blessed man. And I want to tell you, we need to learn to tap into what God blesses. Amen? In the kingdom of God, the church is the centerpiece. And building storehouses to hold the harvest. I've watched in so many different settings and in other nations where other, other religions go in and they build their temples, they build their edifices, they're very passionate about it. And friends, I believe Christianity and Christians ought to be just as passionate about building places where people can congregate to worship. I don't have to have a building to worship. I worshiped before I got in my car this morning and came to this house. But I want to tell you, I worship when I come together with brothers and sisters in Christ. I worship when, because we have a corporate house and I'm thankful for the corporate house of worship. I've been in settings in the jungles where we had, we had uh, two by, by 12 by about 20 feet long on cinder blocks and we sat there and we worshiped. But we had built a beautiful block building in the jungle. But I'm thankful for padded pews. I'm thankful for air conditions. I've preached to packed buildings where I'd have a dog run across the front while I'm preaching, amen. I've been in all kinds of settings preaching the gospel but it's nice to have some nice things, amen. But these are just tools. This is just a place, it's a building. It's, a, it's an edifice that we've built. And thank God for all of the edifices that are dedicated and consecrated to the worship of our God. C.S. Lewis said, you're never too old to set another goal and to dream another dream. In the last six days before my dad was promoted, he made several very important statements. And on that Monday, he made the statement to dignitaries for this state. He said, what are we doing for the future? That we cannot lose sight of the future. You see, so many Christians drive their life, they would never drive their automobile like this, but they drive their life solely looking in the rearview mirror. If you drove your car just like that, you would end up in a ditch. Thank God for rearview mirrors, and that's a part of successful driving. But friends, we've got to be looking to the future. We've got to be looking down the road. We've got to know where God is moving and what God is doing. And we got to reach a generation that needs to be reached. Pastor Cecil, his last six days, he said, what are we doing about the future to state officials? And then what he said to me personally six days before, he says, don't ever forget, it's all about the lost. It's all about reaching people who are not in the household of faith. And I want to tell you what we're doing, what we're providing is about reaching people outside and seeing them come in. We showed a graphic last week that I'm going to show in just a minute. But we, we've done so much with Arise, Arise, Shine. And I, I want you to hear 90 seconds from two of the women in our church uh, that have seen the difference that Arise and Arise, Shine have made. Rise and Shine Project blessed my family in so many ways. 
One way that it blessed us is we have never been able to go to church as a family. Um, as my son with special needs got older, no longer was there a place for us um, in any of the churches we went to. And this church blessed us by making a, a way for us to come and not only worship, but to also teach my children how to serve as well. When we started in the nursery, we had, you know, the, the separate rooms and everything was great. We had everything we needed, but then they revamped the nursery. After uh, Enduring Rise, it was, a, it was a phenomenal metamorphosis of what we had versus our, our caterpillar versus our butterfly. Now, uh, we've got beautiful facilities that our kids enjoy, new kids, the kids that have been here for, you know, since they were infants, they, they enjoy all of the rooms, the balance house, the, the people, the people that are part of um, helping them come to love Jesus and learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. The new build is going to be amazing. It, if the pictures look this good, I can't imagine seeing it in person. I can't imagine moms not wanting to be here all the time and kids wanting, just everyone wanting to come into church and just let it be part of your everyday life. Like that's really going to bring people into the church. He, he gives us the desires of our heart. He truly does. Man, are my kids gonna love this both my kids, and I have an 11-year-old and a 4-year-old. Five different sections to what is about to be built, and we believe we'll start construction the first week or second week of October. Everything's still in place for that to happen, so keep we'll keep everybody uh, with all the notifications, but it's coming soon. But we showed you last week what one of the five, each Sunday we're doing a different reveal. And I just want to show you a picture, not going to show you a video, but for those that weren't here last week, this is just one of the five areas. Can somebody say amen? It's going to be a beautiful addition. Amen. For coffee, lunch, you can come spend the day, you can study, you can uh, hang out. It's just going to be a wonderful part of building community at an entirely different level than we've ever seen. But I want to show you the reveal for our second week today of what it's going to look like going into kids town. This is, will be all out here, 10,000 new feet, square feet of space along with the 5,000, 15,000 feet of space. But part of it's going to look like what you're about to see.
Amen. Listen, we are building to reach, and I want the worship team to come back. God has helped Evangel Temple to stay on task and to stay on mission. But friends, I believe there's a whole nother level of reach that God wants to see this church go to. Last night, we had intensified prayers for prodigals. People who had grown up in the church, people who become wayward, people who are just not where they ought to be spiritually. And by an upraised hand, how many know someone that's not where they ought to be spiritually connected with your family? Somebody connected with your family. I want to ask you, what are you doing to provide to reach them? What are you doing intentionally that's going to see them connect with the church, connect with something that is life-giving that will make a difference in their life and see them come closer to Christ. Our church family is doing some very intentional things because we believe the reach is so important right now that there's a lot of prodigals that need to come home. And we're believing that those prodigals are going to be touched and they're going to be moved by a church that is committed to a passion about the lost, a passion about the prodigals. And I want everyone to stand and please no one leave because I want to, I want to share some important things that are on my heart. This BUILD initiative is about us as a church family being very intentional about those that are around our lives that we know need to be better connected to their faith in Christ. And they need to be better reached for the cause of Christ. We've all got loved ones. We've got family. This, this city is full of people that are not connected to church. And friends, we can never allow our children, our families, to be off of the, 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 our hearts and our hearts' compassion and our, the focus of our life spiritually to reach them. That is, a, that is an abiding thought that, friends, every day our staff tries to pray about, that we're praying about reaching the prodigals, reaching the lost, that we never forget that. Because you represent a son, you represent a daughter, that if Christ were to come today, and I believe we're getting closer and closer to the, the coming of the Lord. Everything I watch prophetically happening, it reminds me of one thing, we're getting closer and closer. And I, I have to be passionate. I have to be driven about trying to see all of our sons and all of our daughters. And we're trying to provide something that's going to help us reach our families, connect our families. And be, be instrumental in seeing our, our young people, our, our moms, our dads, our, our friends, our neighbors come into the house of God. As I was studying, and I've been studying about the build of the temple because the Lord put this whole thing in my heart for September to study out how David led and how David orchestrated and then God used Solomon for the building of the most significant structure in Israel's history, Solomon's temple. And I've been studying that out and I, I was looking in verse 14 to 16 and there were direct blessings associated with those who got involved with the build. I said recently, I believe I could write a book of the blessings that I have seen in our families, in our church, of people that were connected to building storehouses to hold the harvest. But I see in those same verses the opportunity. You know, a farmer does not look at his fields. And there are people in this room that farm many, many, many acres. And they do not look at those fields with any 
lack of understanding that there in that dirt lies an opportunity. That that field is an opportunity. And God put that in my heart and I'm reading this and David actually spells this out that this is a great opportunity, Solomon. A great opportunity. And at some point we have to get this down in our spirit. This needs to become DNA. Now this is an opportunity, what God is affording us to partner with God and to believe that this is going to touch our generation, but more than that, it's going to touch our own homes and families. And so David spells that out to Solomon. This is not only a blessing, Solomon, it's not only an opportunity. But then he makes one final statement. He says, David, or he says, Solomon, this is a responsibility. And it is a responsibility. I've been privileged to be a part of every single building program for 53 years associated with this church. And I'm thankful for every dollar that I've given, every nail that I've driven. Even when dad had us out working on Labor Day. I said, dad, it's a holiday. He said, we're laboring for Jesus, amen. Every time, and I've built on so many buildings but not only for Evangel Temple, literally in nations of the world and all over this whole region, putting roofs on churches on the north side and inner city and just on and on and on. And everything I've done, someone sent me a picture yesterday of a building in Callahan uh, back in, in, 19, uh, in 1972. And as an 11th grader, I drove my motorcycle up to Callahan so I could work on a building that was being built for the glory of Jesus Christ. I thought, amen. I grew up, it's DNA, and I believe God blesses. And I believe there's a higher calling, a higher purpose. And friends, we're providing for the now. We're providing for our families today. But if Jesus tarries, there's a generation coming on our heels. And I want to be a part of providing for those that will be here to carry the baton. And so David hands the baton off to Solomon. And he closes his eyes and goes to be with the Lord. But I'm telling you, David is still recognized today as one of the great, great leaders in all of Israel's history. And you can't go to Israel today without hearing about David. And I believe that God's calling Evangel Temple to rise up. And I'll close with this. Isaiah 66, verse 1, God looks at the prophet and he says, Who will build my house for me? I've been studying the patterns of the building of the temple. And two things. All of the people got involved at some level. You know we never ask people to do anything they can't do and we never make public your worship of giving is private everybody say amen and so that's always private but as pastor I will give you an opportunity I'll give you an opportunity to be a part of and without any pressure but just giving you an opportunity on the last Sunday of this month I'm going to give this entire church an opportunity to be a part of what I believe it's about a seven to ninth month construction, but I believe a two-year miracle to see God pay for this. Amen? And do the miracle over two years. 
But David did something significant. And then we're going to pray. He called all the leaders of Israel. I'm trying to get all of our, how we do this and what we do, straight out of the scriptures. He had given all the people an opportunity, but before he did, he called the leaders of the church together. And so this Friday night, I've just asked for the deacons, Sunday school teachers, leaders in the church, have a leadership position to just meet with me Friday night. And without, everything's personal, you know. The only thing that will be advertised is at the end of the month, what God has done collectively. Because that, amen, that's the way it should be, amen. But I am going to give everybody an opportunity and I'm going to try to do it scriptural way. And so David calls the leaders together and gives them an opportunity. And so I've got leaders meeting with me this Friday night and just give them an opportunity at whatever level God has. That's a private matter and nobody ever sees them. But that's between them and God. But when you put it together, corporately, miracles happen. Come on, church. Miracles happen when we put it together corporately. Hallelujah. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We've got water baptism. And I think we've got about six or seven candidates that are going to uh, be baptized in water. They can slip out right now. When I dismiss you, those that want to be a part of the baptism, you just exit the sanctuary and go to the left. We have outdoor baptism. Amen. And we're going to celebrate uh, some folk following the Lord in water baptism. But right now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get right with Christ. Amen. Your decision to accept Jesus in your life is a personal matter. That's a personal matter. But when you accept him into your life, it then has to become a public matter. And baptism becomes public. It is a public profession of our faith. So I want everybody to bow your head with me right now. Come on, bow your head with me. I want everyone to repeat this prayer. Everyone watching online. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that you're the Son of God and God's plan of salvation. I believe in you. I ask you into my heart and life to be my Lord and Savior, to forgive me of all my sins. By your grace and mercy, I know you've saved me and you've come into my life. And with your help, I will begin to live for you. Thank you for your salvation. And I receive it by faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want us to celebrate. Amen. Come on, celebrate right now. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I remember Billy Graham in the year November 2000 when he prayed a prayer just like that. And so many hundreds of people prayed that prayer and they came down to testify. It's got to be made public now. If you've never been saved or you're a backslider or a prodigal, it's got to be public. It's got to become public. There are no secret disciples in the kingdom of God. Amen? No secret followers. And so if you prayed that prayer and are sincere about it, our altar workers are coming right now and they're going to stand down here. If you need special prayer, come on altar workers, prayer partners, if you need special prayer, you need to be anointed with oil or you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, I want you to come right now. If you need special prayer, 
you need someone to anoint you with oil, we believe in the ministry of laying on of hands. I'm going to read the priestly prayer and blessing, and then we'll be dismissed. Everyone lift your hands. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to Aaron's sons, and this is how you're to bless my children, saying, The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee. And the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance over thee and give thee peace. And you will put God's name, he said, my name on your families and I will bless them. Church family, receive the blessings of the Lord. Come on, let's sing this before we're closed. Come on, everyone sing this. Hallelujah you need special prayer, you come right now. If you prayed to receive Christ, you come right now. If you need a prayer partner, don't stay back. Don't stay back. If you need someone to pray with you, come. I'm telling you. Anyone that needs special prayer, come. Come.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friends, the presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here.
is great and greatly to be praised. Everyone, slip your hands up. Tell him you love him. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one. You are the
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you. If you need special prayer, don't leave this sanctuary. There, there's prayer partners that believe in laying hands and agreement in prayer and praying the prayer of faith. If you need special prayer, don't leave. You've visited this altar area. Just feel in my spirit to say that one more time to anyone who just needs agreement in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. just needs to be encouraged in the Lord. You've been downtrodden of spirit. The Lord would say unto you, be encouraged. Find solace, find strength, find help. The Lord is your safe pavilion. The Lord is your strength. He's a strong tower. Just find His strength perfect. supernatural supply just tap into that supply he's going to cause you to run and not be weary and walk and not faint himself in the Lord. Be encouraged. Hallelujah. Those that need to be at the membership luncheon can slip out. Those still have the water baptism going on. I need to slip out for that. But they're going to put some soft worship on and you can just stay here in the presence of the Lord as long as you can. God bless you. Be here at 6 for the blowing of the shofar and the service tonight. <laughs>